Good evening. We are thankful that you are here, and if you have your Bible with you, you can be turning to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. It's going to be just a few moments before we get there. To be honest, I'd like for us to talk about a few other things first, but we will eventually uh, get there to think about some scripture this evening. It's been a great day, as has already been said. Uh, So thankful that you are here, thankful that we could be together this morning. Appreciate the good song leading that we've had, the good singing today, great prayers have been prayed. Both Don and Heath have had very encouraging prayers and and so many others today. Uh, We're thankful for Brother Robert leading us in our uh, communion time this morning and thinking about those things. It's just wonderful to be together. Many of you have said that, especially even about this evening. We are thankful for the opportunity. Hope that you have a safe holiday tomorrow, a safe travels, if you'll be doing any traveling around. Uh, It's one of those things that's kind of a holiday, but we don't necessarily make it a focus of our worship, but we certainly are thankful for those who have served and those especially who have given their lives in service to our country. And if you're going to be out and about tomorrow or traveling around, we hope that you will be safe and that you'll be able to to enjoy that, that time together. You know, it's kind of funny to me to consider our question for tonight. I I thought it was just a little too uh, perfect. I kept coming back to it as I was trying to figure out what to speak about on our first Sunday night back together. As I was thinking about the lesson this morning, uh, I kept thinking, okay, all of this is great, so what now? And as I was kind of thinking of a title, that's just what kept coming back to me. I mean, what we've missed out has been something we've missed out on. What we've gotten back so far after the pandemic or as we kind of continue on through it has has been something we've had to deal with. We're thankful for tonight and being able to be back together. But what now? What are we going to do now? You know, this is a question that has been asked a lot, especially over the last year. What now? Uh, We're beginning to understand that some of the changes that have come about in our lives in the last year are here to stay. We think about from a physical standpoint, the way we interact with people, uh, the way business is, uh, transactions go at the store or the things that you do, the, things that, the way things that happen at school, even here at the building. You know, several of us have said in connection with our worship services, primarily the main thing being the communion, you know, the partaking of the Lord's Supper. We may never go back to the passing of the trays, and that may not be a bad thing. There's certainly nothing scriptural about passing trays or having the little uh, packets the way that we do now, and it may just be a better way of doing things in that sense. So we've learned that sometimes things are just going to be different. All of these things have changed in our life, and, and some of them for good. So what now? We have changed what we are doing here, and probably each one of us have asked that question. You know, we canceled services for a while, and most of us were not happy about that, but in the short term, in the moment, maybe it was the right thing to do, so we had no services. So we're looking around at each other, and we're asking our elders, you know, what now? We start back with Sunday morning. We add back uh, Wednesday night. We add back our Sunday classes, and each time we stop, we say, so what now? What about life now? What about the way that things are now? And I know I said this morning that sometimes Sunday night the lessons can be a little meatier. Uh, Before we get to that part in the future, uh, tonight's won't exactly be that way, but I still believe that we can be encouraged to think about this question. So after the sermon this morning, we're glad that you are here, but what now? A few points for you to consider about some things we can be doing Uh, And then a general question, and then we're going to look at some scripture as we consider some uh, facts from the New Testament to think about that. So what are we going to do now? Number one, uh, I would suggest that you be here. We've already preached that lesson this morning, but it's funny, you know, preachers have this way. Everybody probably has something like this maybe in their job or life, but, but preachers have this way. 
It's only, we get the best ideas only when we get out of the pulpit, you know, after the lesson. You know, it's like about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, I go, man, I should have said that this morning. What am I going to do now? So maybe this is the best way to handle Sunday night is just rehash everything I forgot to say this morning. But we've already preached this, but, you know, I would share a few things with you that maybe kind of came to mind that I had kind of passed over in our notes this morning. Uh, number one, in response to, to obeying our elders, to following their lead, uh, by the way, that goes for any time. If our elders said that we're going to meet on noon on Sunday and we're going to meet Monday night and Tuesday night, we should probably be doing that because that's what they said. Now, that's not commonplace, and that may not be what we do here, but it's interesting that, things, that that's how things should go. Um, when we think about following along with our elders' lead, if you are a member here, if you have placed your membership here, said, I'm going to work with the church here, I'm going to serve under this eldership, then that's the kind of thing that we should be doing. If they're going against God's word, we need to talk. We may have a problem. But if it's simply a matter of choice and they say, this is when we're going to meet, this is when the church at Saudi is going to be together, then we need to certainly consider that. In connection with that, I would add, not just about uh, spiritual times, worship times, but what about the so-called fun things or recreation things that we do? Now, I think we would all agree those are not mandatory, if you will. It may not be the best way of saying that. They're not maybe mandatory in the same way as spiritual matters or our worship time. But those things were not just thought of on a whim. Somebody didn't just say, hey, you know what? Game night sounds fun. Let's just, let's just do that just because. Charles talks a lot about the men's, uh, men's work day on Saturday morning. You know, that was a chance to be together as well as help others. It was a chance for the men to get together, have breakfast, spend some time together. There was more to it. It wasn't just something that somebody thought of out of the blue. Even the things that we do outside of our spiritual matters, they're there for us to be built up and strengthened in other ways. To make us close so that we can make it through the bad times and we have people that we know that we can lean on. Have you ever looked at someone differently after something like a game night? I know this happened to us a little bit, certainly when we first got here. You know, some of you that we had never really talked to before. We'd spend a game night together and sit and play cards or something. We'd go, you know, have you ever talked to them really? I mean, they're a lot of fun. We had a great time spending a few moments with whoever. And again, for us, it was a little different as we first uh, placed membership here and started working with you all. But spending that time, even in the fun things, is something that we can do to strengthen one another. When we think about being here, I've given you this quote before. I heard it several years ago from our brother Glenn Colley, but he said it this way in regards to attendance at services. He said, I understand that Christianity is more than just worship. It's a lifestyle. But I also understand that coming to the worship assembly is a tangible way by which we train our children in putting the Lord first. I'd go a step further and say it's not just training our children, but it's just a tangible way that we show that the Lord is first in our lives. It is a way that we can put our hands on something and say that I'm doing my best to be active. There's lots of other ways. If I buy somebody a meal, if I help someone when they're broke down on the side of the road, if I send someone a card, would you say those things are wrong? Well, certainly not. They wouldn't be wrong. They're doing things, though. Well, why would worship be any different? Those are tangible ways that we say we are trying to be like Jesus. Well, we, maybe we should consider coming to worship the same way. It's not that we're checking the box. It's not that if we get 100 check marks in a year or something that we you know, are punching our ticket to heaven. But it's a tangible way that we show that we love the Lord and we're putting him first and his church first. A couple of other things that I didn't share this morning. One actually came up in talking with our brother Jeff Strasser just a few moments ago. When it comes to worship services, make it as 
as important as you can even in your travels. And Jeff mentioned, some of you may have met, he had a couple of young ladies with him this morning. One was a cousin of his and then a, a friend, I believe. But he said as they went to lunch, one of them mentioned, you know, I think I'll try to get home this afternoon in time for services tonight. You know what? We don't often consider that when we go on travel. Eh, you know what? I'll be on the road. I'm just going to be busy. It's going to be hard to get somewhere. I just think I'll have to miss. But if we're really putting God first and the services of the church, then maybe it's important that we make plans for that, not just on Sunday morning, but as we're traveling as best we can. And the other thing I talked with our brother Carl about for just a moment this morning that I didn't mention, you know, in Exodus chapter 29, there is a description that the children of Israel were to offer a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. And that was the point Carl shared with me this morning after, after the services we were talking. He said, how wonderful it is when we can spend our day our Sunday together in the morning, beginning, and in the evening together, worshiping God and studying his word. So what now? Well, number one, you can be here. Number two, I would suggest that you could be as active as you can. We say this a lot around here, but Christianity is absolutely an active religion. It is not passive. It's not a one-time thing. You're baptized and that's it. It's a lifestyle, as we said just a moment ago, ago in the quotation that we used. And it's more than just coming and sitting in the pew. I love to see your faces. I want you to be here. I want to get to interact and visit. But it's more than just showing up, as we even said, in regard to our, uh, our interactions with one another. And I would like for you to consider being active, not only in our worship services and being here on Sunday night, but what about the other activities that sometimes go along with our Sunday nights? We've lost a lot of those so far, but maybe we'll be able to add them back in in the coming months and maybe the rest of this year. Maybe one day we'll get to eat together again in the building here as we once did. We'll feel comfortable and be able to do that. Do you recall when we used to make the bracelets and Missy was always involved with making the bracelets like we used to do to send to, to foreign mission fields? Again, a lot of those trips have been canceled as well. But those were times that we could not only sit and, and do something, tangible something that we could do to send to places, but it's a way that we got to visit as well and share in some laughter and some fun. What about things like honoring our seniors? And, and we found other ways of doing that. But if you're active, you're going to be here for worship services. But yeah, you're going to be active with the other things we have going on as well. What about our care teams? There was a brief discussion in class this morning kind of about that, about the fact that we've kind of lost track of those a little bit and maybe we can get some of that back together. But some people probably didn't even know they were on a care team, even though they've been members here for a long time. And I'm talking about before the pandemic. But those, that was an opportunity you see, we want you to be here for Sunday evening services, but we want you to be active as well, to come to those meetings, to get some names of people that you can encourage. And again, this is kind of back to the point or the challenge from this morning. Come and stay a while. Make it a point to get to know others, to strengthen your relationships so that certainly when things like a worldwide pandemic hit, it's not as hard on us when we have strong connections because not only are we here, but we're active in the work. And then in the third point here, before we move on to some other thoughts, I just, of course, you know, as a preacher, they've got to all start with the word be, you know, I got to get, so it doesn't exactly make as much sense, but be expecting to learn. And what I wanted to share with you right here is some of the good things that Sunday nights used to bring us as far as our lessons go. A bit of a, ref a refresher or recap and looking forward to as we get back on track next month. Do you remember some of the things we used to talk about on Sunday nights? We had our book of the month club, and we talked about a book of the Bible. Over the course of the time that I had been here, we'd made it all the way from Genesis 
to Ezra. I think we talked about Ezra maybe in the month of February, and we didn't talk about one in the month of March. We had made it through the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. We had basically made it through the books of history, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, and Ezra. We talked about the book of the month club. I hope that was encouraging to you because it was to me to do the study, a deeper study on those books and to try to, to kind of fit them into about a 30-minute lesson. We were looking at a one-word study. We talked about a word a month. There were some big-picture words, creation, sin, wrath, grace. There were some character words, mercy, love, forgiveness, kindness, self-control, humility, and peace. And I believe we began the next section of one words, and they were going to be on last things, what we call last things. And the last one that we did, I believe, in, excuse me, in the month of March was judgment. So if we pick up where we left off, we've talked about judgment. We're going to talk about resurrection. We're going to talk about heaven. We're going to talk about hell. And we're going to talk about last things in our one word study. Be expecting to learn. I mentioned this morning that we could have a question and answer time if you would like that. Um, some places do that. I'd be willing to take some questions. This is a kind of a, a two-sided thing, though. If you ask a question, you better come so that I can answer it and you get, get to hear your answer. I, I told you this morning, and I did go back and find the bulletin, the Sunday night that we canceled, the Sunday we canceled services, that night I had planned to ask a few questions and answer them. What is the unforgivable sin? You recall that passage from the book of Luke? Will we be married in heaven? What about the thief on the cross? A very popular one. And then, of course, everybody's favor that they were waiting for the answer to, do I have to pay taxes? Yeah, we were going to ask and answer that if we were able to be together then. So, question and answer time. That's always encouraging when we think about learning from our sermons. Uh, we have guest speakers. You may recall, if you were with us, that Jason Brazier had visited with us from the Greater Chattanooga Christian Services to talk about some of the counseling services that they offer there. He'd love to come back. He's already called me about that. We could have others. And there are always other encouraging lessons. Uh, one of the ones that we had talked about in 2019, or a few, when do I get my sainthood? We talked about you know, the idea of becoming a saint as the world uses that. We talked about the false doctrine of universalism, the idea that everyone will be in heaven. That's something that we need to know. And then perhaps, you know, my children, I give them a hard time, but they always remember the lessons that maybe matter the least. And I preached one, I think we first started here, that was Clayton's favorite. I can talk about him since he's not here. Uh, but Jedi or Christian, that was one. You know, that's always a favorite among people. So, and who knows, maybe on Sunday night in the near future, we can have one of our singing nights again with North Hamilton. Wouldn't that be wonderful? All of these things take place. All of these things are there so that we can learn. I talked about the meteor lessons. Those opportunities are there for us sometimes and hopefully will be in the near future. So, what now? Going forward from COVID, I know COVID's not necessarily over. Folks are still dealing with it. People are still sick and we're still concerned about those things. But we need to get back to our study time. I mean, not only here at service, but in our own lives. We need to get back to encouragement. Uh, many people here have continued to do that. Uh, as we talked about this morning, I mentioned there was a brief discussion in the auditorium class. I think both sides were kind of right. Don mentioned about how we've lost track of some people and some things. Miss Judy mentioned how many people have done a lot of sending cards and things, and it's true. Both of those are true. But what can we do to get back to our encouragement? What can we do to get back to reaching out to others? Not only those of our own number, but especially those who are lost. So what now? How can we keep improving? How can we reach out to those that we've lost contact with? 
So many congregations have had issues. So many people have had issues. What can we do to be respectful of each other, but also get back to living and making our own personal choices? All right, what now? Let's finish with some biblical scripture tonight to see how some people from the Bible handled some things and think about how we can continue to move forward. All these will be from the book of Acts. All of them will be from the early church and what they did and how they handled the things or events that came up. We mentioned this first one this morning, but in Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse number 40 and verse number 41, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. It's not necessarily a revival because it's actually the establishment of the church, but what a great day. It's kind of the kind of revival that we would long for, that we would have some kind of meeting or gospel meeting or some kind of event here, and we would have people show up by the bunches to come and to listen and then to respond, to become gospel obedient or to rededicate themselves to serving God. But those people in that moment had to ask, so what now? Think about those folks who were gathered there, 3,000 or so people. Do you think any of them looked around and said, what do we do now? I mean, that's great. We've heard the word. We've been convicted of our sin. Peter has said, it is you that crucified the Son of God. And they said, we understand. What do we need to do? Repent and be baptized. Got it. Check. What now? We mentioned this morning, beginning in verse 42, immediately we see that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. And we know the, the rest of that section that talks about how they had all things in common, that they were continuing daily with one accord in the temple. They were baptized. A lot of people added to the church. The church is established. What now? Continue in the doctrine, continue in the fellowship. That was really what the thrust of the lesson was this morning. The elders here at Saudi have set aside a time on Sunday, times on Sunday, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night for us to do those things. We need to continue. What are we going to do now? We need to continue the same way that they did. Continuing with one accord in the temple, praising God, verse 47, and having favor with all the people. That's our goal. It's great to be here. But we have to go out there and shine our light. That is part of the what now when we go forward. What about Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40? Acts 8, 26 through 40. Do you recall the Ethiopian nobleman? Here on the road, the Ethiopian eunuch or the Ethiopian nobleman. And as he is studying the scripture and Philip meets him and tells him what he needs to do, the great statement that Philip in verse 35 opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preach Jesus. And the Ethiopian nobleman essentially asks the same question. What now? Here's water. What hinders me? What am I going to do now? Verse 38. So he commanded the chariot to sit, stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. What now? And when they came up out of the water... The spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. I probably preached the lesson here or at least referenced it in lessons and you've no doubt heard sermons by preachers who have talked about the ones that we don't know anything else about. Have you ever wondered about the Ethiopian nobleman? You know, the one we usually talk about is the rich young ruler. We think about him going away sorrowful and we wonder if he ever 
began to follow Christ. But have you ever considered the Ethiopian eunuch? He went on his way rejoicing, but what now? Did he continue to reach out to others? Did he continue to be rejoicing and sharing the good news? Did he light on fire for a little while and then fade away and turn his back on Jesus? We don't know. But how wonderful it is to consider that when he had this great life-changing event, an eternity-changing event, that he is now a Christian, then he went on his way rejoicing. You probably don't have to turn your Bible, but what about Acts chapter 9? After this great story of the Ethiopian nobleman, we move forward to Saul, who's going to become Paul. In Acts chapter 8, excuse me, Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19, we get that, con, that Damascus Road event where Saul is traveling and he is struck blind and he goes into the city, brought him into Damascus in verse number 8, and he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. As Ananias has this moment, this vision in verse number 10, he is told what to do. Verse 17, he goes on his way and enters the house and finds Saul. And it says in verse 18 that immediately there fell from his eyes, Saul's eyes, something like scales, and he received his sight at once. What now? And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now, I tell you this from time to time in our lessons, but in my Bible, there is a, there's a break there. There's a break in the page. There's a title. A new title begins verse number 20. But keep reading. Finish 19 and keep reading into 20. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately, he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Paul had the question, or Saul at the moment, what now? And in fact, it's very interesting that through the rest of the chapter, in verses 20 and continuing on down through 23 and 25, Saul's life is in danger. He really had to ask what now because he was going to be taking his life in his own hands by going and preaching Jesus. These people don't believe him. They look at him and say, you're not the same guy. Or really, you are the same guy, so we don't trust you. We don't believe you. We've seen you this day taking people to prison. We see you now. We don't believe you've changed. He really had a what now moment, but we see that he answers the question very quickly and that immediately he begins to preach. I challenge you to, to think about your life even tonight as we ask this question post-COVID or even oh, maybe on the downward slide. What are we going to do now? Are we going to be able to get back to reaching out to others? I know things may be a little different. People may want you to wear your mask for a while. People may want be nervous about having a meal together, but maybe you can do something. Maybe you can work your way to that time where you can have a meal with someone and sit down and study the Word of God. These folks face some pretty serious times. Saul was not just in it for the fun of it. It was not going to be easy for him. Verse 23 says the Jews plotted to kill him. But when he asked the question, Essentially to himself, probably, what am I going to do now? Immediately he preached the Christ. And then let's go over to Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, we meet our friend old Herod who is out to cause some trouble. In fact, the New King James says in chapter 12 and verse number 1, he stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. In fact, we notice in verse 2, he kills James, the brother of John, with a sword. So Herod is... is wreaking havoc and do you think that people were thinking what now there's physical violence 
We question among ourselves even today. The government, are they going to get involved? People, are they going to get involved? What are we going to do as we face opposition? What now? Surely the people were thinking that as Herod kills James. What about in verse number three and verses three and four? Herod then seeks out Peter and wants to imprison him. He puts Peter in prison. It keeps ratcheting up. The people are saying, what now? Hey, you know, he killed James, but I think we can get out and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just go this direction. We'll stay away from that area. Now Peter's in prison. Seems like everywhere they turn, they're going to be finding trouble. So what are we going to do now with all of this violence? But notice what the church is doing in verse number 12. When Peter is let out of prison or escapes from prison with the help of an angel, in verse 12, when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. We think about the church. The church is gathered together praying. That's what they're doing now. Maybe it's in a little bit of private. We see that the door is closed because Peter has to bang on the gate and they don't open it at first for him. One of the humorous sections of scripture where Rhoda comes and finds him, but she's so astonished that she leaves him there and goes and runs to everybody else and has to come back and let him in. And we think about how interesting it is that the church is facing a threat of not only death, but certainly imprisonment, and yet they are still meeting together. They are still praying. So when we ask the question, what now, what are we willing to do? You know, that's the final question tonight for me and for you. What are we going to do? I would submit that it begins on a day-by-day -day basis, an hour-by-hour -hour basis, really. Have you ever tried to make a, have you ever tried to set a goal before? You know, New Year's resolutions, things like that. I've read a few studies, a few books, some ideas about people who talk about why they fail. You know, it's very interesting because we set very large goals. You know, I'm, I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year. Well, when you're setting a goal, that's really not a good way to set a goal. I, I challenge you to think about it biblically, scripturally. To say that we're going to save the world probably is not the best way to do it. To say that I'm going to be the best Christian I can be in the next year may not be the best way to do it. Maybe we start hour by hour, day by day. We ask this question and we answer it by saying, here's what I'm going to do. Here are the steps I can take. Here are the things that I want, ways I want to encourage others. Here are the things I'm going to do, such as coming to services, such as studying my Bible. Here are the people that I'm going to try to reach out to. And it's not going to be a list of 100. It might be three. It might be five. It might be one. Somebody to begin with. What are we going to do now? As we talked about this morning, we hope that you'll be able to be back with us. We hope that we can take some encouragement from our Sunday night services, that you'll be here, that you'll be active, that you'll be ready to learn. But I hope also that even from these examples in Scripture, you'll take the thought and extrapolate it out a little bit and think about your life. What are you going to do now? The world's a different place in a lot of ways, not only politically, not only socially, certainly from a medical sense as we think about what we've been through with the pandemic. But what are we going to do? Hopefully you'll be faithful. That begins with becoming a Christian. If you're here tonight, you're not a child of God, we would be willing to study with you this day as soon as possible to help you understand the simple plan of salvation. What one must do to become a child of God, to be washed in the blood so that the Lord can add you to his church. But maybe you're here tonight and you've done that. 
And you wonder, you know how hard it is to remain faithful, to stay on the straight and narrow, to stay strong through the troublesome times. We're about to sing this song in just a moment that Jesus is calling. When we think about Jesus is calling, as we're about to sing the words, we sing about people who are happy. Those people who are happy are those who obey, who are obedient. Are you obedient tonight, either by becoming a child of God or by being faithful to him? We're thankful for the time together and for the chance to study. We're thankful for the chance to pray with you and for you if you're in need of that. You can make it known now as we stand together and as we sing.